Well, friends, it's uh, great to come to the last Sunday of uh, the old year as we look forward to moving into the new year. <clears throat> I got good news, though, for uh, Pastor Stephen. You know, he was hoping that he could sing Grandma Got Run Over by the Reindeer. <laughs> but the news is Grandma did not get run over by the reindeer. She's sitting right there. <laughs> Before I begin, I, I just want to say a word of uh, thanks and appreciation on behalf of my wife Sandy and I for the privilege of being a part of this body called Lakes Free. We truly have been blessed by every single one of you your love for us, your encouragement, your prayer support, the many ways in which you have reached out to make our life uh, a life of growing together in the Lord. I also want to say a word of thanks to the pastoral staff here, Pastor Jason, for the privilege of working alongside such great colleagues, as well as the administrative staff, the Board of Elders. Uh, this is a, a tremendous uh, work team that uh, this congregation has, and I'm great to be a part of it. We have focused on the carols of Christmas for these last four weeks. And today is the carol that kind of wraps it all together and moves us out into, uh, into the world. The hymn lyrics and the tunes that stay with us when almost everything else fades. How many of us know elderly friends or parents or spouses who have memory loss. Some of these senior saints no longer recognize anything except for the words of music of some great hymn, one that they have absorbed over the course of a lifetime, one that has settled into the deepest spheres of their soul. I think of a man by the name of Tom Gmunden, who was a part of our, at that time, Crossroads ABF. Elaine is still, his wife is still a part of it. But when Tom was still able to come to the ABF and we would sing a hymn, Tom knew those hymns word for word. And he sang right along. He never missed a beat. And then when he entered the care center at Parmley and I would go to visit him, when I knew that Elaine was going to be there as well, I would bring the hymn books along and we'd sit down at the piano and we'd play some of his favorite hymns. And I observed Tom never missed a word, though he had time at times had difficulty in recognizing who we were. So that's the spirit of the Lord that is ingrained 
in, in the depths of one's soul as we uh, focus on music. Music plays a tremendous role in our spiritual journey. Historian Ernest Edwin Ryden said, the memory of a simple hymn learned in childhood has often proved decisive in spiritual crises of later years. Some of you may have experienced that. If you haven't, hang on. You may. And that's especially true for our Christmas carols because they are deeply entwined in our annual celebration of the greatest gift that we as human beings have ever received. Music brings the celebration in our hearts into fruition in our very being. It brings the joy of the angels into our lives. We don't know really who the author of Go Tell It on the Mountain is, but John Wesley Work Jr., may not have originated this Negro spiritual, and that's what this song is. Couldn't you just feel the rhythm? Go tell it on the mountain. You know, that you can just picture the, the, the Negro family uh, swaying to, to that music. John Wesley Work can take credit for the fact that we still sing this song almost every Christmas. As the son of a church choir director, Work grew up in Nashville, loving music. And even though he earned his master's in Latin and went on to teach Latin and Greek, his first love continued to be that of music. And he went on to become the first African-American collector of Negro spirituals. And this proved to be a daunting task for Work because these songs were passed down orally from plantation to plantation. And they weren't written down. But work proved up to the challenge when he published his first book entitled New Jubilee Songs as sung by the Fisk Jubilee Singers in Songs of the American Negro six years later. And it was in the second volume that this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, appeared. The original singers of the song fulfilled the same important task that the angels gave the shepherds that first Christmas night outside of Bethlehem, proclaiming Jesus Christ is born. That's the heart of the message, isn't it? Why well, might as well say amen and we can go home. Because that's, that's really it. You know, when I think of what the church is to be and to do, there are two statements by Jesus that summarize it really well. One is the great commandment that is found in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. And that verse reads like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. By the way, that was a text that Jason didn't give me. He gave me two. One was the Great Commission, and the other was Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But I thought that 
the great commandment really fits in together with the great commission. Now the great commission is in Matthew 28, 19 to 20 and reads like this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always. So the great commandment was given by Jesus in response to a question that was asked of him. One day Jesus was asked to identify what is the most important command. And he responded by saying, in effect, that the law and the prophets, they are primary. They, the law and the prophets condense the whole command of Jesus into two tasks. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Later in some of his last words to his disciples, Jesus gave the Great Commission. And he signed them three more tasks. Go make disciples, baptize, and teach whatever God has commanded. Now as I look at Lake's free mission statement, I see this congregation being driven by the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And together, they give us the primary task that we as a congregation will focus on until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Through these two scripture passages, I see five purposes of the church. Purpose number one, love the Lord with all your heart. And the word that describes this purpose is the word worship. This congregation exists to worship God. And boy, didn't we worship this morning. Those are some great songs. You know, when we first came here, I had a little difficulty with the volume. The volume practically blew me out of the, the water. Now, either my hearing is getting worse or the new sound system is really working well. One of the things I noticed in the sound system, I don't know if you picked it up, but there is a, a beautiful echo. When, when the last word was sung, it just kind of, mm. I thought, wow, have I been missing that all these years? Well, we are here to worship. By worshiping, it doesn't matter if we are by ourselves or we were, are with our small ABF group or we are with a group of 100, 200, 300 people. When we express our love to God, that's when we are worshiping. Jesus said to Satan in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And I can imagine that Satan says, that's what you think. But there's a danger that we can get so busy working for God that we don't have time to express our love for him. Throughout the Bible, we're commanded to celebrate God's presence by magnifying and exalting his name. 
shouting his name, Yahweh, Yahweh. Worshiping God is the church's first purpose. But we shouldn't worship out of duty. We ought to worship because we want to. You want to be here? Or are you thinking, oh, gee, you got to go to church again. The land we had three, two services last Sunday, two on Monday. Now we got another two again today. We ever get tired of? No. Not when we worship our God. Purpose number two. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the word that describes this purpose is the word ministry. Lakes Free exists to minister to people. Ministry is demonstrating God's love to others by meeting their, their needs and healing their hurts in the name of Jesus. And each time that you and I reach out to others in love, we are ministering to them. Maybe someone has become very ill. Maybe someone has had surgery, lives alone, comes home. Who's there to care for them? That's where the body of Christ surrounds. Someone has lost a job. We need to encourage them. Keep hanging in there. Another day, there may be something that'll show up. Right, Don? Yeah. You've been waiting patiently for a long time. We keep encouraging you. The church is to minister to all kinds of needs. Maybe they're spiritual, they're emotional, they're relational, they're, they're physical. Jesus said that even giving a cup of cold water to someone is ministry. And you know something? That will not go unrewarded. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that the church's purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I think Lakes Free does an excellent job in preparing people for ministry. It's evident. Unfortunately, very little actual ministry takes place in some churches. Instead of much time is taken up in meetings, meetings, meetings. But faithfulness is often defined in terms of attendance rather than service. And if that's all that ministry is, then it doesn't take long for a person to sit soak, and sour. Purpose number three, go and make disciples. This is known as evangelism. And Lakes Free exists to communicate God's word. We are ambassadors, as Pastor Jason has said. The ABF that Sandy and I attend used to be called Crossroads. Well, we've gone beyond the crossroads now, and we are now ambassadors. And that, I think, sets forth the, 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 the purpose for which that ABF is in existence. 
In the Greek text of Matthew 28, the word go is a present participle. And that really should read like this. As you are going, it's everybody's responsibility to share the good news. Our ABF, along with many others, are supporting a number of mission efforts. We have missionaries in China, in Thailand, in Germany, Panama, and many others. You look out in the wall here, just outside the sanctuary, there's a whole gallery of pictures of the missionaries that this congregation is currently supporting. It doesn't mean that every single one of us has to do what Joanna Phillips is going to be doing. We don't have to go to 11 countries in a year's time. Although I think it would be helpful for her to teach us how to pack when we go to, <laughs> when we go to Indianapolis, we just came back from Christmas. My word, we had the whole car full for less than a week. We are to tell the whole world of Christ's coming. Not, not only that he came, but we also are to tell about his death and his resurrection. The birth of Jesus would be of no value if he hadn't also been raised from the dead. That's crucial. Absolutely essential. Because if he is not raised, guess what? You and I won't be either. Where does that leave us? What have we got to look forward to when we come to our last breath if we don't have Jesus? The task of evangelism is so important. You know, Jesus actually gave us five great commissions, one in each of the four Gospels and one in the book of Acts. The passage in the book of Acts says, you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, with what result? You will be my witness. Where? Right here in Jerusalem. Then in Judea, that's Lindstrom. Then in Samaria, that's Minnesota. And the whole outreach of the world, that's our mission. I think of our evangelism as more than just a responsibility. I think of it as a privilege. I never used to, because for the first three and a half years of my ministry, I had the faintest idea what evangelism was about. I couldn't have converted a paper sack, because I didn't know how. I'm thankful that the Lord has moved me to become involved with people who did know and who do know. And that was Bill Bright from Campus Crusade for Christ. And am I thankful for that? That has become my tool to share the whole plan of salvation. And I'd like to give you just one example. I could give you hundreds of examples of how I have used this, but I just want to share one this morning. We were in Laurel, Nebraska for 25 and a half years. And in the early 1980s, 
I encountered a couple, a husband and wife, who had come to the congregation and they were strong Missouri Synod. But evidently they were looking for something more. So one day I went out to Larry Maxson's farm. He was a big farmer, a big hog farmer. I mean, big hog farmer. They had 2,000 farrowing sows. And they raised their pigs from farrow to finish. And so you know how much time they spent out in, in the hog lard. Well, the day I stopped to visit with Larry and Norma, his wife, I began to share the plan of salvation. Uh, the first three steps were nothing new to Larry. He learned that in confirmation. But when it came to pray to receive Christ, he hesitated for a long time. Then he said to me, Ken, my dad told me, don't you let anybody push you around or tell you how to live. You are a Maxon. Live up to that name. And he did everything he could to do it. I mean, he was a fighter. I mean, he, he didn't let anybody grow grass under his feet. And then I said to Larry, Larry, do you suppose that it's your pride that's keeping you? He didn't say anything that day. But sometime later, he said to me, Ken, when you asked me if it was my pride, you know what I could have done? I could have slapped you across the face. I knew he meant it. But the Holy Spirit took this planting of that seed and turned his heart to the Lord. And let me tell you, his wife and his, one of his sons, who was a, a student at Wayne State College at the time, and he was telling me how the professors at the college were constantly putting down anything having to do with Christianity. And he was confused. And he turned his life over to the Lord. And what happened is he went out into his office in the hog barn. Now picture this. And he plastered the walls in his office with scripture passages. And his mother did the same thing in the kitchen window and the refrigerator. So every time that they were in that area, they were being a you know, absorbed by the word. And Jerry, the son, he knows more of the Bible than what I do. Uh, he is on fire for the Lord. Well, Norma went home to be with the Lord, I think, six years ago. Larry went home to the Lord just December 4th. And after the service on December 8th, the whole family went back to the farmhouse, all of the grandkids and the kids, and they celebrated Christmas. Now, just imagine this. You've just laid a loved one to rest, and they're celebrating Christmas, singing the carols, praying together, 
And when we got home from Indianapolis, here was this note from Jerry. I just want to share a little bit of it. He said, Pastor Ken, I am overwhelmed by the outpouring of love that the Maxon family has poured on us. It's amazing what prayer can do. Thank you for praying for us, for depositing the word into all of us over the years. Just want to share with you what can happen when you share the word. And then he says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. He's quoting John 5.16. You helped Larry tremendously in his development in Jesus. And once Larry got turned on to the Lord, what really spurred him on was he went to a Via de Cristo weekend, which is a, 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 a retreat, four-day retreat. And there he experienced the love of Jesus like he has never experienced before. And he really became on fire for the Lord. Now he goes, Jerry goes on to say, um, there are 13 grandkids and 15 great-grandkids benefiting from your labor of love. You should have been a preacher. Evidently, he didn't know I was. <laughs> know which one, I, I know which one has eternal benefits. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how uh, a nephew from California brought a Hispanic wife for the first time to meet this family. She is of Catholic background. And she, uh, Jerry asked her, what was your Christmas experience like? And she said, everybody got drunk. That was her Christmas. So as the word of the Lord was being passed around, she was soaking it up like a sponge. And then he goes on to say, you know, think of what will happen if she comes to faith. She comes from a family of 20. If she gets saved, think of the ripple effect that will have. Folks, it all started with this. And I'm not sharing this to bust the shirt on my shoulders simply to share with you what can and does happen when the word of God is proclaimed. The promise from Isaiah is the word will never return unto the Lord empty without accomplishing the purpose for which he has sent it. That's powerful. Purpose number four, baptizing them. In the Greek text, the Great Commission, there are three present participle verbs. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Going, baptizing, and teaching, they are essential elements in making disciples for Christ. And when you first think about, you might wonder, well, why the Great Commission gives the same prominence to a simple act of baptism as it does to the task of evangelism and edification. Well, Jesus didn't mention it just by accident. Why is baptism so important? 
to warrant inclusion in Christ's family commission? I believe it symbolizes one of the purposes of the church, which is fellowship. Fellowship is identifying with the body. It's like the wedding band on your finger, if you have one. This is not the marriage. This is the symbol of marriage. The American flag is not America. It is the symbol of this nation. It's like the sacramentum. The sacramentum was not the Roman soldier. The sacramentum was the oath of allegiance to the Roman emperor. And baptism is a sacramentum. It's an avow of our loyalty, our faith, our love for, our service in behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our great king and the emperor of heaven. But friends, um, I don't understand someone who says that he has been born again but doesn't want to be baptized. You see, when, when a person is hungry, you don't have to persuade him to eat. He wants to eat because he's hungry. Or if a person is, star is uh, thirsty, he's dying of thirst, you don't have to persuade him to drink water. He wants to drink. And if a person is out there in the elements today and freezing to death, you don't have to argue with him to come in and, and find warmth. He's freezing. He wants to come in. When a person is converted, and when he's saved, immediately there is a wanting inside, wanting to be baptized. We've witnessed this every year at the baptismal service that we have in the month of August, don't we? So when a person is converted and saved, that's a desire, just like the Ethiopian eunuch. When Philip explained to him everything about God from the Old Testament on, all of a sudden he said, hey, here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? He wanted to be baptized. And when there is not that wanting, I can't understand how a person has accepted the Lord Jesus and refuses the first great commandment that he gives. It seems to me that when a person is changed, that's the way he's changed. He wants to seal what has been given to him. Purpose number five, teaching them to obey. The word that we commonly use to refer to this purpose, that's discipleship. And Lakes Free exists to educate God's people. It's not just a matter of being here in worship. That's the first step. Once you've come to worship here, then the next step is to become a part of the body. And that's where the adult Bible fellowships come into play. So you can become connected with a few people. One of the things that we really uh, received with great joy was when we became a part of the ambassador's uh, Bible study, one of the first things that happened is that there were several families that said, come over for dinner. Oh my, you don't know how valuable that was to get to know 
three other couples by name and by background, and that has begun to mushroom. And I, I, I covet that for all of you to take that opportunity to maybe open your home to someone that may be new in your Bible fellowship group and to draw them in to a, a, a close-knit group. So as the church, we are called not only to reach people, but also to teach them. And it is this congregation's responsibility to develop people to spiritual maturity. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 4, verses 12 and 13. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And if we examine the earthly ministry of Jesus, it's apparent that he has included all five of these elements in his work. And the clearest example of all five purposes is the first Jerusalem church. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2. They taught, they fellowshiped, they worshiped, they ministered, they evangelized. Friends, nothing has changed in the church today. Lakes Free exists to, to edify, to encourage, to exalt, to equip and to evangelize. And friends, we are not in the dark is what we are called to do, right? But how do we carry out the great commandment and the great commission? That's where Acts 1-8 comes in. It happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. And that's how you are empowered. Now, the Holy Spirit comes in to take up residence, but it is necessary for one to pray every single day to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 is the command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. The only thing you get out of that is a good headache, but be drunk with the Holy Spirit. And that's a prayer that I pray every single day that God would fill me because he's commanded me to be filled. And then the promise is in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. You can ask anything in accord with my will, and I will not only hear you, but I will also grant the requests that have been made. And... Luke chapter 11 tells us that we as human beings, and especially fathers, we know how to give good gifts to our children. I mean, if Reed came to me and said, I, I'm hungry, I want a sandwich, I don't go to the refrigerator and give you a snake or a scorpion. No, I'll give you what is good for you. And Jesus says, if you who are evil, and I'm evil, know how to give a good gift to my grandson, how much more is God willing to give us the Holy Spirit if we ask him?
But if we don't ask him, we will remain powerless. You want to go out and tell the world that Jesus Christ is born? You can go with the power of the Holy Spirit at your disposal. And you know something? The power of the Holy Spirit is all the power that God has available. And it's for our asking. Isn't that great? What a, what a powerful way to move into a new year and continue to move this congregation forward in its mission. Shall we rise and sing that carol one more time, the chorus? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we just thank you that you draw us together this morning to worship you and to show us how we are to go to tell this message to the world, to minister to the needs of your people, to be mindful of uh, what they are and how we can be used for your glory. The Lord, we just ask that you uh, help us to make disciples of uh, those who have come to faith in Christ, that uh, we share with them how to become a part of the body through the sacrament of baptism, and then to continue to teach to deepen our faith week by week. And for that, we look forward to the new year and the new ABF electives. We pray this in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul in the closing chapter of Romans 16, verses 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen.